Hello, and welcome to a, a much-delayed 12th episode of Simply Creative People. I'm Grigori Carpin, author on the SCP Wiki, and a weirdo who makes videos on the internet sometimes, but not really. Uh, and I'm joined by the beauteous, the amazing, the wonderful, Harry Blank. Oh, that's good. I couldn't settle on a, I couldn't settle on a joke this time, so you just, you obviated the need to have one. Perfect. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm always just trying to help make things move smoothly, you know, uh, combat your random chaos as much as I possibly can. Yeah, smoothness is not a goal here for me. <laughs> so, how's it going? Oh, I don't know. I'm all right. How are you? How are you, Grigori? I'm, I'm fucking tired. Uh, so, listeners will probably be aware of the fact that we haven't done an episode in a couple weeks because of many things, uh, but most importantly or at least on my end, is I've started a new job about three and a half weeks ago or so, which I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast. And that's after like 18 months of uh, being unemployed. So it's been an adjustment. Uh, it's also a fairly legal-focused job, so it is uh, detail-oriented and difficult, but you know, also very good to be back at work. Nice. And then, yeah, no, it's finally having cash... And then having to spend a whole bunch of my first paycheck just on moving bullshit. It's, it's just like, come on. Uh, but Man, I, I have this vague memory of money. <laughs> I, I can almost picture what it was like having money. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, you know, I mean, like yourself... Throughout the pandemic, I basically have been sitting on that. It's why we've both been so prolific, uh -huh. uh, you more than me. Um, oh. But, you know, it's been a fucking financially difficult time for a lot of people, and yep. as much as for us as well. Yep. Relatable. Um, and then adding to it, which was the like pouring salt in the wound, the day I got the offer letter and was told, okay, Monday morning, show up, nine o'clock sharp. Uh, I got a call, literally five minutes later, I got a call from my landlord saying, um, I'm so sorry, you haven't done anything wrong, but I'm going to have to give you your 30 days notice <laughs> because, yeah, because I have, because I have roommates and uh, it's a private owner. And he was like, well, I've got family, I need to move them in. And, you know, I, I, genuinely, you've been a good tenant. And I was like, uh, that, thanks, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's cold comfort. Uh, no kidding. But, uh, you know, he was cool about it and gave me extra time because there was, I just, the market is crazy right now. I, I was so stressed for weeks just trying to find a place. But I found one nice uh, studio, actually fairly large studio apartment, uh, which is nice. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's why there's been a bit of a delay. And it's also why you know, we're kind of going to skip the creative talk this time. I couldn't think of anything. And honestly, uh, I've got more packing to do. So... <laughs> simply uncreative people that's right we are not creative people not temporarily uncreative people and similarly uncreative uh our topic this week was decided by poll uh because oh. i couldn't decide what we were going to do and not that i'm the only one that gets to decide you've made suggestions too uh but I? uh yeah i think so that's good that anyway. sounds like a good thing for me to have done. That's I'm a proud good thing. of myself. <laughs> Thank you for being a co-host. Uh, hey, you're, you're welcome. But genuinely, that is 
a sincere thing. <laughs> I don't want to do this by myself. Oh, I, I, I can't express genuine sentiment. I, it, no. My voice just can't handle that. Yeah, this just, you know, the, I mean, genuinely, your tone just immediately turns to the facetious. I get it. It's it's the only mode I have with these vocal cords. <laughs> with these vocal cords, as opposed to, like, your spare set, or? Oh, well, you... Silence. Wow, that was a good you show. Should, you should cut, cut that one out. That's, that's dangerous information. <laughs> then you have a spare vocal cord set? Anyway, so what, uh, Serpent's Hand... Yeah, so we're going to talk about the Serpent's Hand today. Uh, we we did a poll, and uh, that was the one that won. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a landslide, but at the end it kind of was uh, neck and neck with the Shark Punching Center. Which we'll <laughs> oh. have to do we'll have to do either next time or the time after that, because that sounds like a really fun one. Yeah, I think I can imagine who the guest will be. And our guest this week is nobody. Nobody, yeah. Nobody volunteered. Uh, we did reach out to a few possibilities but uh you know just didn't work out and like i said it's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks so it's just the two of us this time Um, how intimate yes and uh this is if not the oldest goi one of the oldest it's 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 a significant presence on the wiki uh, which is funny because it's actually fairly obscure as well even though it's mentioned over and over in dozens and dozens of articles, very few of those articles, except for the GOI formats, are from their perspective. And oftentimes it's not about them. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it's kind of fun. You mostly have to read between the lines and look at their viewpoint on things to learn stuff about them. Otherwise, we only have what the Foundation knows about them, which is kind of jack shit, which is fascinating because they're a big presence uh, on the wiki. Yes. But, yeah, let's just get into it. Uh, so, who are the Super Serpent's Hand? The Super Hand. Who are the who Super are Hand? Who are the Super Hand? Are we going to do the dumb joke ahead of time about the name? Or are we going to get I'm that I'm just going to let the title speak for itself. I mean, I know they don't have hands. That's why they need a hand. Come on. Oh, yeah, that's right. Actually, Duh. I just explained that to somebody. Somebody was like, I don't even get the name. Like, serpents don't have hands. It's like, all right, Captain Literal. Um, <laughs> it's it's a, it's 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 metaphor because the people are the hands of the serpent. That's right. It's important that the serpent doesn't have hands. That's the point. Right. And I mean, you know, I, I think the name is fairly evocative of the serpent of knowledge right you know uh, in the garden of eden but that's never really been nailed down except for in maybe cactus's proposal and even then uh it's not necessarily just tied to the serpent's hand it's this kind of metaphorical uh, eldritch being um which is cool because you know it's more of a conceptual group anyway they are not you know organized into an army uh despite how the foundation might want to think of them as Uh, so on the hub they're described as a small uh which is funny because the foundation admits they don't know much about them so saying that they're small is like well wishful thinking guys uh (laughs) they're a formidable org that is growing at a rapid pace and is very focused on breaching containment uh Uh, they're a group of loosely affiliated cells so (sighs) the word cells immediately brings up like terrorist in my opinion which is too bad because these people are not you know hostile to general civilians they're not even really that hostile to the foundation although they are working at cross purposes yeah uh, although they are very hostile to the goc um they have different motives and operations but they have one thing that ties them together which is this concept that you know the anomalous should be free they don't 
want to like just let every dangerous murder monster out, but they're very concerned with the idea of the Foundation and the GOC and others defining normalcy as this thing to keep the wonderful in check, which is something that I obviously relate to, seeing as how we wrote 6500. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, I think for a lot of people, once you discover the Serpent's Hand, you finally go, oh, finally, here's the good guys, because the POV Foundation is definitely not. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm sure there are articles on the wiki, I haven't read literally all of them, I'm sure there are articles on the wiki that display them as the bad guys, but pretty consistently they are shown in a positive light you know uh which is pretty fun uh they are kind of unequivocally the good guys even though they're not really trying to like save lives or save the world necessarily yeah they have a holistic worldview and they value knowledge so they're they're pretty hard to uh right yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it's like oh these oh well no that's pretty reasonable uh they a lot of the cells will focus, and the ones that we hear about the most in SCP documents, uh, are cells that are really focused on breaking containment and releasing uh, or, uh, you know, uh, taking anomalies uh, away from the Foundation. Um, they've also got a big focus on magic. What's interesting is there's kind of an overlapping definition. I think some stories will focus on the fact that the serpent's hands are like mages uh, and and they're so focused on magic. And other ones will be focused on the fact that these are anarchists who don't want to uh, allow the Foundation and the GOC to define the the veil and and the anomalous world. Uh, but there is always kind of a tie in to, to magic or thaumaturgy, as the uh, Foundation and GOC would like to say. Magic is unclinical. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, and along with their focus on magic, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it, their HQ is said to be, although it's hard to say for sure, uh, the Wanderer's Library, which... The best location. Yeah, it, it is really good. Sorry, Ep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, but, Harry's, well, Harry's saying he likes it better than Flight 87. I, and, you know, okay, I think no, that's well, really rude, but... Okay. You didn't have to put me on the spot here. No. Okay, Sloth Pit is my favorite. Man. Uh, yeah, no, every Sloth. episode has to be up phrase hour. It's required. That's right. Oh, this is, I think, if it's not the first episode, it's one of the first, you know, episodes where I don't think there's one article. No, there isn't. Which there uh, isn't. I'm disappointed in myself, and I'm sorry. Um, Ip's, um, Ip's main character and de facto pseudo-author Avatar, Catherine Sinclair, was a former Serpent's Hand member. There we go. That's true. There we go. Um, <clears throat> the Foundation does not know how many members uh, there are or how many groups there are or even you know whether or not they all are aligned. They just sort of see them as this amorphous mass uh, because it seems like the way that it is portrayed is kind of this very complicated political relationship between these different members. There's probably some that you know, uh, tilt towards the more extreme, and there are others that are are more uh, reasonable. But they all have sort of that that joint goal of, of fucking, basically fucking with the foundation. Yep. Um, one of the reasons they're so formidable, other than fucking magic, uh, is they have <laughs> access to the ways, and that's capital W ways. Which, if you don't know, if you haven't looked at the serpent's hand. Uh, hub. Uh, these are portals, effectively magic doors, uh, though they're not always doors, 
that lead to other worlds. They lead directly to the library. The library has like a significant amount of ways that go into different dimensions. Um, and, and some of these ways even go to other places in, in baseline reality. And so like the webways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this allows for shortcuts throughout the universe. And how do you get a way open? You knock. That's right. With it also with a capital. Capital right. knock. Which is rarely a knock on wood, although you made a yes. very funny joke about that being the case in Inevitable. Yes. Yes. Yes, um, all my jokes are very funny. I don't even think you need to say that. You can just say you made a joke true. and the very that's funny true. is implied. Yeah, for myself, I have to distinguish between the jokes that just make me laugh and make <laughs> other people laugh. I'm really only concerned with whether or not I laugh. So it's a win. That's the secret, actually, to yeah. humor, anyway. Like, is, is to just fearlessly make yourself laugh and trust that everybody else is laughing. If not at your joke, then at the fact that you're laughing. Right. So recently, uh, in this time of, you know, very busy, I haven't had that much time to be creative and write an article. Uh, and so I've been kind of putting what little time I had for being creative into doing some things for Victim uh, on Twitter and on TikTok voicing uh, basically little commercials by them and uh you know it's getting some headway i don't know it doesn't matter i'm just fine having fun and a couple of people asked me well like where do you come up with these ideas i'm like oh i don't know i just i just laugh if i laugh at it then i then i do it that's right <laughs> that's it it's the secret um so the foundation first became aware of the wanderer's life i'm sorry of the serpent's hand uh back all the way and i think this might be the first mention of them uh although i'm not sure uh, SCP-268, which is uh, essentially a magic hat. We don't have to get into the details of it, but it's at the very end, the last addendum is that it was stolen uh, and in its place was left a note. Thanks. I needed my hat back and it's signed LS. And on the hub, hmm. it notes the foundation is aware of the fact that at least on two occasions, this individual has breached containment and it seems to be a leader of some sort and in the serpent's hand. And there's a theory, whether or not that's true, that L.S. is the Black Queen, uh, who in other places is a character named Allison Chow. Uh, uh -huh. And she's interesting because she's not really a magic person, but instead is somebody who can instantly communicate with her various multiversal counterparts. So she's a wealth of information. And this, you would imagine, would lead to a lot of good strategic thinking. Uh -huh. Um we will probably get into her in another time because technically the Black Queen is a GOI, although it gets a little confusing because that's just, it's, she's an individual, but then she's a group of individuals. Uh, so Not the only one that works that way. Right. Nobody also works that way, which is a personal thing. That's right. Nobody uh, nobody works that way except capital N, nobody. The capital letter is really important this episode. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's true. Um Sort of one of the more interesting things with the hand is that they are intimately tied into a lot of the paranormal communities, those communities that are aware of the veil and live on the other side of it, beyond just the GOC and the foundation, because there's all these other, you know, not just groups of interest, but little communities like nexuses, uh, or even ones that aren't clearly stated as nexuses, that are well aware of the anomalous. Uh, and the hand has these sort of connections and diplomatic relationships with pretty much every one of those uh, communities. Whether or not it's always friendly is debatable, but there's a lot of interesting overlap where, 
you know, you can imagine uh, the Serpent's Hand and the Sorkics being relatively friendly, or at least on peaceable terms. But then also that could be true of, you know, the Church of the Broken God, or, uh, you know, different factions within those groups, or, or you know, well, not the Davis because they're gone. But uh, <laughs> but anybody that does magic and wants to have access to the Wanderer's Library will probably have some sort of relationship with the Serpent's Hand. It, although it's good to note that the Serpent's Hand does not control the Wanderer's Library. That is sort of its own force in the universe. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, our friend Rounderhouse uh, has a author avatar that is a giant magical bug. A centipede, like a kaiju centipede, who is the archivist in the Wanderer's Library. Yeah, the eighth archivist, the Rounderpede. <laughs> because of Rounderhouse's administrative duties on the SCP Wiki's sister site, the Wanderer's Library, which is an excellent right. place to go for some uh, literary expeditions that are not necessarily and often necessarily not directly SCP related, but are right. sort of in the same multiversal connected reality. In a yeah. sense, because you, of course the Wanderer's Library connects to all different realities. Right, you, like you could read a story or write a story uh, on the Wanderer's Library that is connected to the SCP universe, or you could not, because there's not really that expectation. It's smaller, pretty much the only thing you good. can't do is write an SCP and post it to right, the Wanderer's right, Library, right? And you will be tarred and feathered, and justifiably so. <laughs> That's right. The the, the the masses of Wanderers Library fans and authors will will, will turn for the. Now that sounded like a dig. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean it as like a dig. Like there's not a lot. I mean, I think there is a lot. I don't know. Yeah, but no anyway, idea. the Wanderers Library site is great, and uh, it, yeah, it is. A, it is, I believe, somewhere on the front page described it itself is. as the collection of the Serpent's Hand. So, yeah, um, it is Read on the, the front page. Uh, yeah. It's in a prominent place now, where it didn't used to be. Um, Good website. It's, it's really Great cool. Website. Yeah, it's. I, I have been meaning to write stuff on the Wanderers Library for a while, and just have not got around to it. Same. I have a total of one article from a contest from like last year. Nice. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Famously, uh, a, a, an author avatar of the Deadly Moose, uh, who is a wonderful author and uh, somebody we both uh, are quite fond of. Yes, um, indeed. They wrote a character called Tilda Moose, <laughs> appropriately enough, uh, mm-hmm. who is a director uh, and is pretty frequently stated as the foundation director of Site 19, which is this That's right. very central, incredibly important uh, location. Uh, kind of any, almost any time there's a there's an article that deals that doesn't want to deal with a specific site, you will oftentimes see if they decide to name a site, it'll be Site 17 or Site 19. Yeah, Site-19 is essentially the default by virtue of being the first one created by virtue of being the one in SCP-173. Yeah. Making it one of the oldest pieces of SCP lore. Yay. So yeah, that's what Dr. Tilda David Moose is the director of. Right. And the reason that we bring Moose up, uh, the author avatar, not the author, uh, is that Tilda... <laughs> lower, the, the author is lowercase, the, the character is uppercase. That's right. Case, case is very important. Yeah. Uh, is an ex-hand member. Uh, yes. And Moose defected from the Wanderer's Library, or defected from the Serpent's Hand, uh, to the Foundation. And then and paid for it, because there are stories, in fact, one we'll mention later, uh, where Moose is, you know, very messed up about the fact that she can no longer... Uh, go into the Wanderer's Library uh, uh-huh. because Foundation is exiled. 
uh, from the from Wanderer's Library. For, for like uh, reasons which should probably be almost immediately obvious. Right. So Wanderer's Library is all about the freedom of information and magic and, you know, probably quite a few uh, anomalies and artifacts, including many of their members, um, you know, including their archivist, for God's sakes. Um, and the foundation uh in an unclear it's not like a specific story uh although there probably has been somebody who's done it in more detail uh when it you know originally got access to the to the wanderers library because pretty much anyone that's in the know can get access to it and then immediately started acting like the foundation and got uh forcibly kicked out and so now physically if you are a member of the foundation you cannot actually enter away yes uh, neither of the awful cop organizations the foundation or the goc are allowed in Right, but the GOC, except for some very small numbers of individuals. Right, there are some uh, mentions of that, um, and then uh, the there are there's also this aspect of terminology which I have used quite a bit, even though I haven't written that much about Serpent's Hand. I've used a lot of the terminology that they use within their organization uh, to kind of indicate that somebody is outside of the authoritarian foundation or the GOC. And and that terminology most commonly used is the jailers for the foundation because they jail things up. Uh, uh -huh. And the book burners for the GOC because that's all the GOC does. Well, I, we've already discovered that that's not the case, but in a traditional looking way, because they occasionally destroy uh, anomalies, the hand is firmly against them and, and is also significantly hostile against them. Yeah, uh, if they don't own the book, they want to burn it. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and, and I think there's also probably a lot of hostility because the GOC, as opposed to the Foundation, is oftentimes made of thaumaturges and, and mages, and they have their own magic colleges and all that sort of stuff. And so I, I would assume the two sides see, you know, kind of a dark reflection uh, in each oh. other. Um, and I think probably about the hub, the thing that I like the most, the thing that immediately drew me to it when i first saw it was that one half of the page and it's like in a column on the left hand side it's from the foundation's perspective and the right hand column is a kind of manifesto from the uh, from the hands perspective as if yes. either organization was not aware of the fact that the other person was writing it which is really fun yes yes it's a good it's a good dual perspective thing yeah oh somebody's got it. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm tired too <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a generally known fact among the people who are aware of my existence in the first place that my sleeping schedule is a continual disaster. It's a fucking train wreck. <laughs> uh, our friendship worked a lot better when mine was also in a train wreck phase. And now that I go to sleep by 11, we talk less. <laughs> yes. uh, Get your life screwed up again so we can talk more often. No. Sorry. No. Instead, I just send you like a, a bunch of messages before noon and then wait to see what you say about them. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so I thought I would just read, or, or we could read, uh, some of the uh, little excerpts from the Serpent's Hand perspective because it's really quite good. Uh -huh. I can't remember who wrote this. It might have been Moose. The original uh, hub was posted by Moose, so. Right, That's then I would assume. And Moose had a strong hand. Uh, in uh -huh. shaping, uh, in shaping the moose's hand. In, that's right. The moose's hand had a strong hand. This is a good example of laughing at your own jokes. That's right. Anyway, one of the experts. Don't have hands. <laughs> the moose's antler uh, was was significantly important in the forming of the serpent's hand. Yes. Uh, yes. 
So uh, now that the seriousness <laughs> is completely shot, uh, <laughs> no oxygen in the brain whatsoever. Uh, okay, we're gonna read some of these excerpts. So one of them is the serpent's hand rose up, not out of desire nor fear, but out of clear and pressing need to keep all peoples from being chained forever in the dark. Wow. Here, you read the next one. To any members of the GOC and the Foundation who may read this, we are growing so large because of you. <laughs> That's hot. We were more like you once, just one more inbred secret society hoarding occult knowledge to ourselves. Not so hot. <laughs> when normalcy starts hurting the people who live, have to live under it to try cure a poison, normalcy itself is the poison. To anyone willing or able to read this, this is for you. We are the serpent's hand. We are a movement unified by a common belief that humanity and all the other peoples of the known worlds do not deserve to be kept in darkness and ignorance. And as self-serious as all that is, it is... This is badass. Yeah, uh, undeniably, like, anarchist, fucking punk rock, uh, just excellent. Yep. And I mean, the minute I discovered them, it was like, oh, they're just the straight up good guys. (laughs) They're fighting against an oppressive, quote unquote, government uh, to to free knowledge uh, and magic. Wow, they are they are the fucking protagonists of this story. Yep. Which also they get their own spinoff site. That's right. Uh, And, you know, appropriately enough for the first article we're going to talk about, which is Magic Orientation by the Deadly Moose, Uh... which is, you know, one of a few pretty famous quote-unquote orientation tales which are presented as uh, a member of the foundation usually if an author avatar though not always uh giving a presentation to a bunch of agents uh and in this case it's tilda moose uh and Uh in this fairly organic and and believable presentation uh it's not just for a series of jokes uh the deadly moose the author sets up some really excellent world building uh and uses you know and it's all diegetic because we're actually listening or reading a uh a presentation um even goes pretty much all dialogue yeah yeah i mean and it's all from tilda moose uh which is cool because you get these moments where she asks a question and then like responds as if and you have to like read between the lines which is fun Um, And she even does the thing of like, well, for those of you who didn't hear that, the question was, (laughs) which, you know, if you've ever been to a conference, you know what that is. Yes, you Uh, have to sort of intuit the other half, the other half of the conversation that that Tilda is responding to. Which is so fucking common if you've ever watched a recording of a, you know, of a presentation, uh, which I have done plenty of times. You you will have to be like, oh, I wonder what that was. Well, I don't know. Let's put it together with context clues. This is this is just just to be the the oldest motherfucker in the room. Even though you're older than me, uh, yep. this is Bob Newhart's original style of comedy was to do half of a phone call and the audience guesses what the other half is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had a really famous bit about being um, Abe Lincoln's press agent, <laughs> which is really really funny. Like even now, holds up super well. Go look up that shit on youtube it's fucking yeah. hilarious he had a good one about sir walter raleigh and tobacco he's like oh, okay okay walt and it's like a leaf okay and what do you do you roll it up okay why do you roll it up you light it on fire and then what do you do you put it in your mouth 
And this is all if I mean I assume a lot of people probably don't know who Bob Newhart is because you know he was you know you know he, he was old before we were born, um, and he's still old because he's still alive somehow. Is he? Wow, he's really old, but he's not dead. It's be it's, in his it's 90s? it improves my life. Yeah, he's he's uh, well into his nineties. He's ninety two, but he's he has this very um, dry dead maybe not dry exactly, but yeah, very kind of quiet kind of subdued way of telling jokes that really works because there's a lot of like very witty um sort of implications to what he's saying uh what's funny too is that you know he's one of the few i think from way back when who is totally clean obviously because of when he became famous swearing and whatnot wasn't really available uh, (laughs) uh on stage and then but he's still very, very funny. Like I, I feel like a lot of his jokes like hold up a hundred percent today. And I agree with that. And to make it less of a tangent, I mean that is essentially how this is presented because Moose, the character, describes herself as not much of a public speaker, and it is actually a fairly clean and and tidy and and humorously deadpan story about magic, which is not the kind of thing you would normally expect to be described in a complete straight face deadpan. And uh, at this point, probably on the wiki, was, uh, you know, not as well-versed. When the wiki first started, it was mostly focused on horror and then, to a lesser extent, some science fiction elements. Um, And the magical things that were being discussed were not, you know, magic for the most part. Uh, And so I I wonder what the initial response was. It's it's a very highly rated tale now. But um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No. Anyway. Uh, what's fun about it is it goes into Moose will in the story is explaining how magic works but the way that she does it is in this general enough way that it could be interpreted in various ways and still fit within a headcanon uh, if you were so you know um, inclined to include that within your writing Uh, which is fun because I think probably and this is just a personal bias but my biggest gripe with magic systems in uh, fiction is when it feels like uh, a rule book from DT, I lose a lot of interest. Uh, whereas when there is a bit more mystery to it, and, you know, it should be, it's the occult. Uh, we should yeah. not, we should not be understanding the entire aspects of magic within a story, For in sure. my opinion. Yeah. Anyway, she says there are many, many traditions and almost no universals, unless you're talking rituals and such, which, and such which are made to work for anyone potential capital p <laughs> is different for different kinds of magic one old european pagan tradition may work for you and another originating from less than 50 miles away may not and people like agent navarro who was another famous character uh don't even have a tradition in any real sense just in quotes some stuff that works <laughs> yep which is what Catherine sinclair is like with that stuff yes and that's what uh, the thaumaturgic characters that i have and am writing at present also have although i have made a pretty significant distinction between uh those things in my stories yep although they take place in the 90s which is how i get around it because the foundation did not know that that sort of thing happened um she goes on to say the serpent's hand is sort of the yin to the coalition's yang the hand are movements springing from opposition to the coalition's whole big brother thing and to the idea of containing or suppressing the anomalous community. They're the radical activists of the anomalous community, but also the ordinary people who don't take to their equivalent of big government. 
<coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it seems like there you you would have inserted like a, a, a dig at somebody in there, but instead it was just a cough. <laughs> that's right. I was going to dig on libertarians, but I didn't. <laughs> anyway. Sometimes a cough is just a cough. That's right. It was just a cough. Uh, a hand takes all types. Anyone who wants to join. So there's a lot of decent folk and a lot of death cultists too. There's <laughs> heavy overlap between the hand and the fringe community, obviously, plus movements like religious cults or the occasional full-blown religion like the Church of the Broken God and anarchist groups. Hand types tend to dislike us too, but they like us better than the coalition because we try not to kill people. Yes. Which is a very, very positive view on the foundation, in my opinion. <laughs> we try not to kill people. Yeah. Try. When was this? Was this, this was uh, when was uh, the magic uh, orientation post? Twelve. Eleven. Uh, Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that's good. Yeah. So I was gonna say if this was published way back in series one, then I don't know. There's there's quite a few SCPs where I guess nobody got the message about amnestics, and <laughs> yeah, we just murdered everybody who saw it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to any authors that were working on, you know, uh, in in the site on that point you know back then it's not like amnestics were really understood or a, a, nope. a firmly nope. you know a concrete thing so yeah know. it was all all accrued over time as a natural evolution yeah. of the community which is which is how it should work yeah I, it is kind of fascinating to think about a time before the concept of amnestics was part of scps yeah, well, it's just the way this works is uh, people start proposing their various solutions to the various problems, and the ones that people actually think are entertaining and help them write their stories get picked up, and the ones that don't, don't. Yeah, and then things go out of style or stay in, you know, or come back in style. Uh, you know, there used to be yeah. a fairly common uh, material that was used all the time called telekill alloy, uh, which is really not used very much anymore. Yeah, it was this 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 band aid thing that could block all uh, psychic stuff, and was also used to block various kinds of magic stuff. And then the article itself was rewritten to give it so many hilarious drawbacks that it, it could no longer be used as the <laughs> right as the as the yeah panacea anyway. because panaceas suck anyway. Yes, especially in fiction. Like, oh, we just have this magic thing that cures all negative magic and psychic stuff. Uh, well, that's not. That's not super fun. <laughs> yeah, it's all the worst, all the worst excesses of the worst Star Trek: The Next Generation scripts of just fire the deflector dish at it and reintegrate the tachyon flow, and that solves the episode. They have a tachyon flow on the Star Trek Enterprise? I was just making shit up. Oh, I would believe it. I don't know. No, I don't know a lot about Star Trek. Uh, they I'll... also make shit up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like how hardcore fans of Star Trek like. And and they're not wrong that it is more firmly rooted in science uh, than say Star Wars or other space opera type things, uh, but they still they take a lot of liberties. <laughs> I am also a fan. Uh, yes, well, it, all of the, all of the technology on Star Trek works on the principle of the television show needs us to be able to do this. <laughs> That's right. Why do you have transporters? Because it was too expensive to show a shuttle landing every week on a new planet. That's the reason. The idea of... Literal... Glitter is cheap. <laughs> That's right. The idea of little teleportation has always, like, significantly bothered me. Yes. <laughs> when they talk about, the like, the, uh, the, the mechanics of it, in that or in any other fiction where they talk about, like, apparition or whatever... Uh, I'm sorry, so you're dematerializing? No, no, no. I'm out. 
Yeah, this is our very important device. We use it constantly every day. And what it does is it murders you, and then it brings you back to life somewhere else, but not really you. <laughs> you, anyway. you as the ship of Theseus. Um, yes, exactly. Anyway. The ship of Eusius. The ship of Meseus. Yes, go on. <laughs> Moving right along as quickly as possible. <laughs> so, back to magic. SCP-2975 is another article by the Deadly Moose. Uh, I wish I hadn't said another article because it's called Another Sun. <laughs> moose on the loose. Yeah, uh, these first three are all going to be moose, uh, moose because moose. they had a significant uh, hand in in shaping the serpent's head. They did indeed. So I'm just going to read a little bit of it. Uh, SCP-2975 is a demolished house on the outskirts of a city originally built over an extensive cave system leading to a crevasse extending an unknown depth into the Earth's mantle. A little bit later on, the crevasse uh, collapsed because a group called the Order of the White Sun, uh, why a white sun? Anyway, uh, attempted to use SCP-2975 as a ritual conduit to cause an XK-class end-of-the-world scenario. Um, and we never really find out that much about what the XK-class is, unless it's in the Twine game, which I didn't take a good look at. Um, because of this, the Foundation decides they got to neutralize this, and so they actually neutralized and destroyed the house. What's interesting is that a lot of the details are discovered organically through interviewing members of the community because this house was sort of a local uh, landmark to the people who lived there, and pe some people thought it was horrible, and, you know, um, it turns out the house... It was uh, eating people. Occasionally ate people, and uh, this Order of the White Sun was sacrificing people. Uh, and I remember one of the persons who was interviewed is like, well, you know, you can think worse of me, but the only reason I really got upset with them was uh, when they started hunting and, and, and sacrificing mages. Uh, so she was all right with them uh, sacrificing homeless people, I guess. First uh, they came for the homeless people. <laughs> anyway, uh, and one of them said, uh, who was against the destruction of the house, but not against the stopping of the cult, uh, which is an interesting nuance to it. Uh, if you'd let us left it to us to handle, we could have found a solution, a better solution. We wouldn't have just raised a living historical icon to the ground. There had to be another way. Uh, which pretty firmly um, kind of speaks to the whole spirit of the Serpent's Hand. Although it's left ambiguous whether right. or not they would have bothered to find another way. So there's also the question of were they in the right or <laughs> right. would they have actually done anything about this or was it just easier to let it eat people yeah because one of the things that i think is often left unanswered is it, let's say the hand got their way even though this is not technically the serpent's hand these, these are people that are connected to the hand because like we talked about earlier they're a fairly loose affiliated group um but like let's say they got their way what exactly are they gonna do with this dangerous shit uh, <laughs> and, and it seems like to an extent the hand is really just focused on that stuff not being locked up anymore and they don't really have plans for afterwards uh, yes um, anyway what's really in fun in any event yeah. yeah go on sorry no go ahead no I was just gonna say yeah as you were as you alluded it ends in a game in the uh, twine system which is a sort of a choose your own adventure mm -hmm. pseudo text adventure sort of thing where you can read certain amounts of text and then click on a link to choose what you choose to do and you can uh, see the story of how the house was neutralized uh, from the perspective of the mobile task force sent in to deal with it and it's really good has some really fun details and information on the uh, 
on the uh, the cult, but I think it's best if you experience it yourself because there's multiple options. Yes. Uh, there, this is something that a lot of people have done. There aren't like hundreds of these, but there are several SCPs using um, Twine to do this interactive fiction. I know Whip's done it. Uh, Davey Fool has also done it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ips, uh, 5k entry was, was one of these. Uh, and, yeah, 5,500, right? Yeah. Uh, although I've and, heard, and he hated uh, doing yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, he's not fond of it, but I think it turned out pretty fucking amazing. Yes, uh, and I, I think the numbers bear that out. Yeah, it's really very impressive, because it is a significant, uh, twine game. It is not something you can play in, like, you know, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it'll take you six hours or anything, but... Anyway, uh, another one by Deadly Moose is this excellent series uh, called The Serpent Sequence, which is housed on the hub under the Collected Tales uh, tab. And it starts with a tale called Prisoners. And one of the fun things about this is that it solidifies that connection between that figure LS uh, and the Black Queen as sort of a, you know, I say in the outline, de facto leader, but... You know, it's unclear exactly how the Black Queen is uh, leading the hand. It, it seems like a interesting political situation, to say the least. Uh, certainly yeah. somebody who has a lot of influence. Um, and I think, and you know, I don't know exactly what the history, but this does a really good job of humanizing not just the hand and the Black Queen, but also like the library and people that, that exist in and around that world. Um, and kind of shows things from a very uh, fairly grounded perspective, even though it's a story about magic. Um, yeah. And even though there's a bunch of like Lowell Foundation characters in it. Um, but well, it's, this is, this is it's, it's, a, it's a Moose thing. Moose uh, yeah, likes sure. to do the big narratives with the uh, sort of curating the main storyline, so to speak, of the uh, right. Pandora's box and all that stuff and all the author avatars from that era and carrying it into a bigger story. And it's one of the things that Moose writes about so much that they ended up having to help organize the resurrection canon that, <laughs> that does this. This is this is basically proto-resurrection. Uh, and thank God they did, uh, seeing as how we are still having fun playing in that sandbox. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Moose but, is yeah, great, anyway. Yeah, Can't go I, wrong with Deadly Moose. Yeah, I've never read an article by Moose that I didn't like. Uh, Same. Genuinely. Uh, Absolutely. And I'm not just saying that because Moose is an admin. uh, I'm also not just saying that because we still want to be involved in uh, (laughs) in Resurrection, not just our side thing. Um, Not that I think they are listening to this. But anyway. uh, Probably not, but we don't know. Hi, Moose, if you're watching. If you're watching, I don't know how because it's audio. (laughs) I do put them on YouTube. Eventually. What uh, would you have for pictures? Just, just, just your face and your 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 Patreon. My my <laughs> face and my Patreon, which does not exist. Uh, yes, I would. Yeah, my face is definitely not on there. Uh, I I just usually use a link the, to your legal the, practice. The, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, usually, just use the the uh, very boring, but like use the image of the the podcast art that uh, Salty yeah. Waters did for us. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to switch tacks here because we also have a couple of articles by Zinn, who is another uh, legendary, like, long-term author uh, and admin. I, I think admin. But, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, if you've ever been accepted to the SCP Wiki, your application was accepted by Zinn. Probably. Um, if you've ever had to have your post collapsed because it was too long to be read on a phone, it was <laughs> collapsed by Zinn. Um, <laughs> Zinn does uh, an absurd amount of 
the work that most people would not want to do. Um, the site rests on Zinn's shoulders, and also I've never read an article by Zinn I didn't like. Yeah, and Zinn is almost always like incredibly diplomatic, even though Zinn is constantly having to basically tell people <laughs> that they have screwed up. <laughs> but is hardworking, is, good-natured, great author. Good yeah, person. but I, I mean, I genuinely want to give credit for the fact that like. I don't feel like I'm ever being talked down to by Zen, even though it could very easily devolve into that uh, with somebody else. Yep. Anyway, yep. Uh, we love you. Uh, so yep. this article is 2175, and it's called Are You Going? And it's a localized philosophy. Are philo- you going? <laughs> yes. You have to sing it. I don't think it's that song. <laughs> well, uh, it is because it's actually excerpted at the end. It's Are You Going to San Francisco? because <laughs> that's, that's what i thought you were if, singing oh that's, that's if you're going to san no this is are you going to scarborough fair oh well, i don't even know that song okay um well i'm just glad it's not the terrible fucking hippie one <laughs> that's a good song screw you it's just it just sounds like something my father listened to anyway uh so scp2175 yeah we invented hippies anyway is a localized and that's why we're sick of them is a localized <laughs> phenomenon that manifests on windsor bridge connecting the towns of windsor and eden in berkshire uk at irregular intervals during dawn and dusk so not that irregular uh documents of varying content and length will appear on the pedestrian walkway of the bridge these items are collectively designated as dash ones instances of dash ones are various notes reminders and collections of miscellaneous information the anomaly was discovered following the interception of a message which determined the Windsor Bridge to be a rendezvous point for the members of the Serpent's Hand. Diagrams in the personal vignette confirming hand activity were later obtained from an initial investigation of the bridge. The anomaly is currently believed to be caused or maintained by members of the Hand who may actively use the phenomenon to facilitate exchange of information at the location. Though the Foundation has yet to directly intercept a Serpent's Hand member at the bridge, it is confirmed that the members of the group are presently aware of the Foundation investigation. Mm-hmm. What's fun about this is if you're reading between the lines, which the Foundation is completely unaware of, and, and Zinn confirms it in the context, this is a way. Uh, this is, uh, you know, capital way. Uh, and uh, it is this, like, magical thing that the Foundation is only able to see from the outside and just goes uh we don't know how it works <laughs> yes because they can't get in because they're foundation because it ends with a little poem that basically goes like you know unless you're friends you can't come in and the foundation's not friendly that's right and uh, the little poem references the song that you haven't heard because you're a philistine that's that's right i i or i just have better taste in music uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a, i'm kidding it's I'm most kidding. famously it's I'm most kidding. famously done by Simon and Garfunkel, okay? Jesus, more hippies. Anyway. <laughs> I'm oh kidding. God. I'm kidding. Uh, no one who listens to this podcast is even aware of who Simon and Garfunkel is. And the only reason I That's am, extraordinarily unlikely. Mm, they've probably heard the name, maybe. Um, and they maybe heard the songs on like a movie soundtrack, but didn't know who the band was. Yes, I'm sure most of the people watching this, even if they're the 12-year-olds that make up most of the SCP audience, have only heard six or seven Simon and Garfunkel songs in their life. Well, that's not what I'm saying, is that they probably were not aware of it. Because, you know, this is one of those bands that is, like, you know, prevalent in, in pop culture, and yet, you know, it's not like people are running out to buy, you know, the greatest hits of, necessarily. 
the youngish people I meet. The only people, the only reason I know who that is is because my dad was like a hippie, uh, and now is a Republican, which I feel like a lot of hippies went that way. Anyway, one more reason to hate the hippies. That's right, fucking Birkenstocks, click clack clack patchouli. <laughs> <laughs> This is devolved so fast. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, fucking hippie. I'm just kidding. I don't have any real feelings about hippies. Anyway, uh, SCP-5233, by, also by Zen, uh, which is fun. We're not really going to summarize it because I just kind of want people to go and experience it, but uh, shows something that Zen is very fond of doing in their oh, yes. articles, which is insects. <laughs> bugs. Um, Zen loves bugs. Which is why Especially the butterflies. Butterfly Squad is called the Butterfly Squad because Zen heads that up. Yes, indeed. Uh, and and for people that don't know, the Butterfly Squad is a group of volunteers uh, who crit on the wiki forums. Uh, I used to be heavily involved and now I'm not just because I kind of did so much of it for about a year and a half that I got burned out. Zen seems desperately attracted to all of the work that is difficult and thankless. Mm-hmm. And, and crit on the forums is definitely one of those it's also exhausting um, yeah shout outs to fabled tiefling who does an amazing job yeah uh, and <laughs> uh you know sometimes get shit for it uh but i don't like that and i really like fabled uh, in general and also really like their crit absolutely uh so a really fun article uh and we one we were only somewhat described it was a mem- i think it was jamcon 2014 this is one of the entries uh is scp 4964 a bootleg dvd of the shaggy dog by Gishface. Uh, Gishface, i love this article it's an incredible article it's super funny i'm honestly surprised reading it that it's not a debut fool article um, it reads like a debut fool. it reads it like a totally soft article yeah like dog a movie um, yeah it totally does and Gishface, uh it, you know if you haven't heard of uh only wrote like 10 or 12 articles but uh has some real bangers in there so uh, go look them up this one is clearly one of the biggest ones for me i, I really really like it because it first of all is utterly absurd and pretty funny but also kind of this like thin vein of uh of like threatening <laughs> like ominous uh tone which is fun uh, yes. Anyway, the first lines are SCP-4964 is an anomalous DVD purporting purporting to be like it claims to be purporting to be a copy of the 2006 film The Shaggy Dog. <laughs> the movie on the yep. disc follows the normal plot of the film up until approximately the final 15 minutes, at which point it shows a radically different ending. <laughs> and then what follows is, I mean, there's more details than that in the description, but what follows is a really phenomenally weird series of test logs which just kind of describe the ending shown and then what the foundation did about it uh and a couple of those referenced serpent's hand so i thought we would read those um the first one which is dated 12 23 2008 the film the ending shown is the film proceeds up to the point where david is supposed to throw the bailiff's baton at which point david says wait this is this isn't and then the scene cuts to a mystical tibetan collie waking up from a nap it yawns and then, in Tim Allen's voice, says, What a weird dream, before getting up and trotting towards a hooded figure in a lab coat standing in a stone archway. The camera zooms onto the archway to show a serpent's hand insignia carved onto its side, then zooms far out to show a large mountain range. Based on this shot, it was determined the scene takes place on the peak of. Kachinjunga? I probably said that wrong. Uh, a mountain in the Himalayas. As the camera stays on this shot, one of the two mountains cracks in two. 
Yep. <laughs> Note slash actions taken. Following this new video, the Foundation mounted a fact-finding expedition to the mountain. Heavy seismic activity in the area made climbing hazardous and resulted in the loss of one agent. Upon reaching the peak, an abandoned base built into the side of the mountain was discovered. Enough evidence was discovered there to conclusively show it was constructed and used by the Serpent's Hand, although what it was used for and why it was abandoned remains unclear. Oh. You want to read the next one? Yeah. O2-22-2009. These are the endings that happen every time they are reading or watching the movie on different dates. In the courtroom scene, the bailiff has been replaced by the hooded figure in the lab coat. When David attempts to take his baton, the figure easily arrests it back, then pulls off his hood and turns directly towards the camera. His uncovered face matches that of Dr. Anton Forrester, a known high-level Serpent's Hand operative. In Tim Allen's voice, <laughs> Forrester says, Stop this. Your incompetent meddling is making this all worse for everyone. We're doing the right thing here, and if you can't see that, well, you'll see soon enough. They deserve to be free, all of them, and we'll crack the earth to get them out, if we have to. The movie then ends. And then the notes. After a protracted series of raids and counteroffensive, for full mission details and casualty reports, see Operation Log 4964-27-3. The Foundation managed to capture Dr. Forrester and interviewed him at length about the Serpent's Hand's plans. He denied all knowledge of the ongoing seismic events and of the Shaggy Dog, which he claims to never seen. <laughs> Believable, very believable. <laughs> Having held on to these assertions steadfastly through multiple forms of enhanced interrogation, it is currently believed that he's being truthful in this matter. So yeah, this movie apparently is 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 capable of precognition about the serpent's hand. <laughs> and of like ostracizing the foundation, which is fun. <clears throat> also I like the implication that the idea that someone has not seen this movie is more unbelievable than anything else that they witness in this log. Obviously, everybody's seen The Shaggy Dog with Tim Allen and Robert Downey Jr. I have not seen this movie. Neither have I. Yeah, I don't... I, why would I watch that? <laughs> it's uh, not good. I, I, I know I've seen parts of it as a kid, and I know that it isn't good. I mean, no no shade. Well, no, all shade. Tim Allen's in it. It's That's a big sign that I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yes, unless we're talking about Galaxy Quest, it's definitely oh, negative. Yeah. You're, you're right. That, that one's pretty good. That's the one thing that, that uh, un until he started his more recent career, Galaxy Quest was the one thing that made Tim Allen okay. Oh, yeah. Also, I guess Toy he Story. He's since used up all that goodwill, but yes, Toy Story. Toy Story is also pretty great. Anyway, the next article is The Gallows Tree by Lavender Bloodstains. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's an author name. That's a good name. I like uh, that name. It, yeah, it sure is. Uh, if that, if your bloodstains are leaving behind lavender uh, shaded colors, you should see a doctor. <laughs> I think I think, Cl I think Klingons have lavender blood. They do. Anyway. At least I think they do. Actually, I don't know. Anyway, uh, this is a really fairly underrated article. Uh, I think it's at 30. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you, the, the phrasing. It's it's a fairly underrated article. I mean, well, it's not good. Wanna, uh, so I'm glad that, I'm glad that it's underrated. It's fair. <laughs> I meant my, yes, it, my it's an underrated article, and yes, it. it actually should be much higher. It's at plus thirty one now, which is honestly a crime. So read this and upvote it, you bastards. Yes, uh, it's really really good. Um, and you know, for that reason, we're not going to go into deep descriptions of it because I, <coughs> I want people to go and experience it, and it's fairly short. Uh, but it's a. No, it, 
<laughs> it's what? a serpent's it's a serpent's hand format. I hadn't noticed this because I guess I was reading in a hurry. I didn't notice the serpent's hands formats that are describing um, objects or people or whatever always have a list of pseudonyms, <laughs> and I didn't read the list of pseudonyms until now. So I just want to read that: yeah. the gallows tree, Deirdre, the vengeful dryad, the whomping willow, but kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is kind of a sub sub text to this that like, oh, people want people want to fuck it. <laughs> so have, have we done a serpent's hand format yet? No, this is this? the first first uh, the first one. So we should we about. should we background how these are how these are done? Yeah. So these are do- which is kind of funny because they're documents that imply that there is more of a set archive, uh, but they're done in such a way as to undercut the um, seriousness of the subjects oftentimes because the footnotes are people arguing with each other oftentimes if they're not arguing then they are saying something funny um and it's almost like people are communicating but only by uh footnotes and so oftentimes at the end of a sentence you'll see like three footnotes <laughs> and they're just yes, where they're discussing each to each other yeah um, I, I think that it's I think that this is a technical limitation, and I think what it is meant to represent is people scribbling in books that have been mm. passed around by a bunch of people, and everybody else is writing marginal notes, and they're arguing with each other like it's graffiti in a bathroom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but, you know, the Wanderers Library does have technology, so it could also be like, you know, this is a wiki that the Foundation, or I'm sorry, the Serpent's Hand, like, uses amongst, the, like, a shared database or whatever. Yes, I suppose that's possible. <clears throat> but, you know, either way. The point is is that oftentimes the um, the meat of the article, the, the, the vast majority of the content, uh, is done in a fairly serious tone about some magical item or, or, or uh, event or person or creature. And then, I mean, I can't think of one that isn't like this except for one that's like a part of Immemorial Aditum, which is like really, really dark. Um, otherwise... All of them are, you know, incredibly humorous, but only when you look at the footnotes. So if people, like, regularly don't look at footnotes, then, like, they're missing out on, like, half the fun of these articles. Yes. Um, but this one's about the Serpent's Hand. It's a, it's a GOI document uh, of the Serpent's Hand, as we've discussed. Uh, and it kind of plays into the trope, uh, like we talked about, uh, where, and this is a consistent thing, Um I don't. I. I can't think of any of the articles where this isn't the case, where people are having a conversation in the footnotes. Um, yeah. And this one really lays into the whole like humor aspect of it, and it's, it's. There's a lot of very funny like moments to it. But essentially, what this yeah, is, it, it's it's like almost a sideways thing from the Parawatch documents, where right. where you'll get the main post where the person's telling the story, and then the idiots chime in um, in the uh, replies. Papa squat. Papa squat. Papa squat. That, well, that technically wasn't Parawatch. Anyway. No, it, it was uh, it was something else beyond <laughs> uh, spirit. This is a spirit of a Celtic witch haunting a tree and, you know, killing people. Um, <laughs> but what could have been just a simple murder monster uh, is actually really funny, <laughs> kind of horny, uh, but not in an adult way. Like there's no extreme like there's no explicit stuff yep. in this. Uh, it's more just kind of tongue in cheek. Just um, one of those footnote guys is really, really yeah. interested in this giant tree lady. <laughs> Especially because she's giant and she's killing people. He's really into that. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, yeah, and so it's, it's, uh, it's honestly a crime. This is only a 30. People go read the gallows tree. Yeah, it's, it's a great article. Um, 
Another article by Zinn and another GOI document is a love letter to a lady mantis. Bugs, again. Bugs. Uh, but this one is uh, pretty interesting because, uh, first of all, it starts <laughs> with a pretty excellent poem, uh, which I guess I'll read. Uh, I don't like reading poetry, but she Well, walks... if you don't like reading poetry, are you just protesting too much? You actually really want to read it? You can read it if you want. Because I don't mind reading poetry, but Go if you if that if that was just you pretending not to like to read poetry, you can read it. No, I. Uh, it's not that I don't like reading; it's like I don't. I don't really feel like I ever read it out loud very well. So mm. go for it; you do it. She walks in light and hunts the dark. A lady mantis, calm and keen, her arms aloft and visage stark. She strikes with blades, but half blink seen. A crafter taught by fray and foe, duelist heart and courtly charm, her past an epic tale untold, her name a threat to cause alarm. Such beauty, grace, and steel-sharp wit inspires fire within the soul, to turn back fear where shadows flit, seek but to seize, achieve her goal. The Lady Smith of Redmark Knife, she has no equal in this life. And if you didn't, you know, kind of pay attention to the subtext of that poem, this is about uh, a lady mantis uh, in this manted court, which is, you know, something out of like a fantasy novel or a hollow knight where it's a society of bugs. Um, although she is 157 centimeters tall, so that's a pretty big mantis. And I don't, that is I, a really big mantis. And I don't want to meet her because no, thank you. Um, and this sort of this high society, you know, which is implied by the fact that they're writing poetry about her um, and, and a dualist culture of this, you know, literally a, a society of mantises. Um, and I don't really want to say more about it because I want people to go and read it. It's it's got a good sense of humor. It's, it's got, got a, a really good, good sense, sense of humor. Like almost all the GOI documents of Serpent's Hand, like I said, the... Um, the why am I playing? Oh, the footnotes again are footnotes. Uh, you know establishing uh, the members of the serpent's hand kind of perspective on these you know very serious epic duelist life, <laughs> uh, and is just this really funny uh, you know all of them are honestly I, I I would almost be afraid to write one because you know you have to be a very specific sort of witty to do it you should do one yeah. Yeah, well, I might. I, the, every time I read one of these, I feel like writing one. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. This one's also very special because it has a poem in it, and the poem obeys proper meter. And, and, it does. And that's, like, half of everybody has a strong urge to use poetry at some point, and about 10% of those people um, obey the meter correctly, and I don't think they even know that they're not doing it correctly, and this does, so that's quite nice. <laughs> yeah, I have. It's nice when you read a poem and it has the correct number of syllables. I have twice made poetry part of something i'm writing and needed help from someone else because of the meter uh, yeah some people just don't have just don't have the ear for it for some reason i either. definitely don't um but thank god you helped me out with that one and then lord helped me out and like just co-wrote the thing with me for victim because <laughs> i was just like i don't know how to do do you know how to do this great can you just do it like here's what i wrote turn that into pretty <laughs> <laughs> which he did it was amazing uh Anyway, um, the next one, which is by N.A. Epic, or N.A. Epic? I always say N.A. Epic, but I don't Napic. really know. Yeah. 
who's another uh, fairly well-known author. Uh, and I have never, ever read anything by Napier that I haven't thought was uh, hilarious and or pretty original. Uh, mm-hmm. And this one, I don't know what the original title was, but has been renamed because of popular uh, consent, uh, apparently, uh, from the uh, comments. Rock War! <laughs> rock War! <laughs> and i have to say this is my favorite serpent's hand goi document it is this is real good fucking ridiculous so in the list of uh pseudonyms for this article um there is also a statement that just says stonehenge versus easter island <laughs> like it's a wrestling match which is pretty yep. funny uh, and it starts with, in the year of defilement, 42343, certain gods desired entertainment, but found themselves in a conundrum. They desired something exhilarating, something akin to the gladiator duels of Rome, but they wanted the spectacle to be grand, far grander. On the other hand, these gods disliked the bloodiness of such duels, believing it to be too barbaric of a sport. And so, they founded the Colosseum of the Gods, a colossal arena housing five tribes of monoliths. The creators, whom we deemed the hypocritical Highlanders, stuck to the laissez-faire approach to their monoliths. <laughs> Just... Rock war. <laughs> Fucking hypocritical Highlanders. Which is a phrase that is said 15 times in this article, and it never stops. <laughs> it never stops to me. It never fails to make me laugh. Like, when I was yes. reading this again, this is not the first time I've read it. This is, And I just stopped every time to kind of chuckle myself, because it's such yes, a there's, dumb term. There's these hilarious faux serpent's hand titles that are just taking the piss out of the serpent's hand having their own title for everything. And even the footnoters are like, where are you getting the goddamn names from? <laughs> yeah, the, the footnotes in this one are almost playing the straight man, uh, as opposed yep. to many other serpent's hand documents where the straight man is the main text, which is a fun reversal. And yes. one of the aspects, so the serpent's hand, you know, I don't remember all the different parts, but often we'll go into their equivalent of the description, uh, and then like different aspects of it, and then history, and then uh, first-hand accounts. Uh, and one of the first-hand accounts, which that's not what they call it in there, uh, in this article is, all right, so here we fucking go. So you, you ever read those books where people are put in a, I think it's supposed to say arena, and forced to kill one another? Hunger Games or Battle Royale, doesn't matter. The point is, it's not like that. That shit is boring. Unless you're lucky enough to watch an indolence ram into dumbass standing in front of it, you're better off watching the spectators smite the book birders for trying to force their way in. <laughs> yeah, the article has more interest in the uh, the culture around the uh, arena than it has in the actual arena, which is apparently just rock people running into each other. Because <laughs> it's gladiator games without blood. So it's just, and as I said, five tribes of monoliths. So these are just big stones. <laughs> yep. Or potentially I hope they at least drew, drew faces on them. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that line was from somebody named Nevrin Faligan, which I suppose in retrospect probably has to be Nefix author avatar in this case. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> anyway, uh, like all these, we're not reading a lot of them because we think that they yeah. should. They're all be. really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out one later on, but they're all really good and they're all fun to read. Yeah, I, it, the fun thing about the Serpent's Hand is, as I said earlier, they're still a fairly obscure group. Because none of these, I mean, almost none of these articles, except for maybe the magic orientation, really even talks about the hand or the way that magic works. Instead, it's almost all from their perspective looking out. And half the time, their perspective is like, whoa, cool. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Um, but 
in a shifting tone, a little more serious, and by a little, I mean a lot more, uh, SCP-6000, which is a fairly well-known article, but it's kind of hard not to bring up in this topic, uh, by Rounder House. And this is like a no-brainer. I mean, not only did it win 6K for a good reason, not just because Rounder House is a popular author, but it's like wildly good. Uh, yep, it's a great article. It's a terrific article. Um, and it's epic as fuck, like a lot of the you know, six, the KCON entries that win are. Um, but this one is all from the perspective, and it's actually a wildly personal story uh, from the perspective of Moose, uh, because there's this wider kind of disaster that's happening in the world where, uh, <laughs> where yet again, something is happening in the Amazon. You know, for 6K, there were a lot of things happening in the Amazon. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, our, our good friend Marcellus Reigns also wrote something called The White Ashes, which also involved the Amazon. Uh-huh. I'm trying to think. There was at least another third big There was big at least one. one more, and I can't think what it yeah. was. Yeah. Well, sorry to whoever that was. But then again, there were 100 entries in six Yeah, months, so. yeah. yeah, it was hard. I actually did read all of them, but that was difficult. Um, I didn't. I, I did, but I did not do I that. I read a lot of them. I did not do that for DEPCON because I was so busy. Um, anyway, uh, this is kind of less about Serpent's Hand, but by context, it is about the Serpent's Hand because it's all about Tilda Moose's relationship with the library and wanting to be back in that world uh, in many ways, showing sort of uh, uh, a theme of regret uh, in her life uh, of moving to the Foundation. Maybe she thought it was the right thing to do and still thinks it is, but uh, really regrets the loss of, of not just the library, but magic in general. Um, yeah, it's a, it ties into his uh, original 001 proposal about how Moose basically spends the rest of her life upset that she never got back into the library. And this is this is a sort of a realization, although it takes place in an alternate universe. So it doesn't necessarily right. happen in the main in right. the main one, because that because that's everybody's favorite K-Con trick does happen fairly often. Yes. This hasn't happened yet, but this file just sort of appeared. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's the only thing I don't actually like about this article. The rest of the article, I think, is an absolute banger. I it's don't, great. I, I, I don't dislike it, but it is it is unfortunately a very... I think what happens is people, when people want to write these big, you know, landmark events, they then wonder, oh, well, if at the end the world's over, <laughs> where do we go from here? It kind of ends the story. Except for yeah. 2000, which, you know did the opposite um, yes <laughs> literally <laughs> uh but yeah anyway i think i think just reading this originally while creating it it was like yeah this is probably the winner yeah <laughs> this is gonna win uh, this is yeah good. i mean i also credit and I, I feel like i told him like i think he because he, he's like well, what do you do? and i'm like i i think i'm mad that you wrote this <laughs> yeah i was like, I, I was like oh man i don't think we're gonna beat this uh no yeah i mean especially once <laughs> God. Especially once we realized it was going to be 45,000 words long. Yeah. Uh, and then we decided, fuck it, let's double that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we, we just, I think part of critting 6,000 was part of the reason I was like, you know what, guys? It doesn't fucking matter. Let's just, let's just go whole hog and go big because we're not winning anyway. So let's, do, let's make it as crazy as possible because it's yeah. going to be Roundhouse who wins. Yeah. That and like, uh, place made and i was i remember when he was on we were talking about how like you know i was really resistant to it at first because big change like that i tend to be a little bit of a stick in the mud but 
place was the one that really made the the point that like this is so fucking audacious that like even if it doesn't get us more votes like isn't it just worth doing and it eventually oh, yeah. the, the making it ninety five thousand words long thing I mean, that places suggested to, yeah to be fair we did not have a number in mind but it did end no. up being roughly twice the length yeah yep um, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that, at that point, the contest was had progressed far enough that it was very yeah. clear that six thousand was going to be either rounder house or cactus, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which, depending on depending on how you look at it, was going to be the result anyway. <laughs> Probably, but, um, yeah. I mean, but you know, cake. I have certainly are... no qualms with with what won because this article is terrific. Yeah, yeah, six thousand is fucking wonderful. Like, it's an epic and, and I'm not just saying that because I like story. Rounder, and I'm not just saying it because I want Rounder to come on to talk about Chicago Spirit. Like I genuinely fucking love this article. Yep. <clears throat> but uh, like all of these, I think you should just go fucking read it because other than knowing it's a very personal story about Tilda Moose and the library, I think the rest of it is just a pretty fun series of revelations. Um, yep. It's, it's a an good epic emotion. adventure story, and it's like a an emotional kind of arc, um, and it ends in it. I think it's probably one of the best endings for like a big article on the site. Oh, the ending is fantastic. It's yeah. just out of this. Like I get like warm feelings when I think about it. Like I'm not just trying to butter you up rounder, but like, God damn. Anyway. Yes. I think, I think pretty much everybody who read it for him looked at the yeah. ending and went, yeah, that's how this ends. Fucking bravo. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. Moving on. <clears throat> moving on. That's enough. Uh, sucking rounder off. Yeah. Fuck on. you rounder. Uh, <laughs> seriously. Um, my favorite Serpent's Hand stuff that I haven't read written um, is Of an Endless Hunt, uh, which, you know, it's by Rumetson. Rumetson. Rumetson, um, who's also a fairly well-known author on the wiki, although he's not around anymore. Um, yeah, another admin of the Wanderer's Library. Yes. Uh, and is... So when I was kind of worried about how to interestingly tell a story about the serpent's hand in vanguard and setting up vanguard in the emissary path Locke suggested i read this uh series of articles because it's all about the serpent's hand as a uh, group of people it's about the black queen it's about kind of not just humanizing them but setting them up as like an interesting force within this universe and uh you know there's a couple things that hold me back from recommending it and 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 the problem is is that it's not completed and probably never will be um although i would love to see it completed i still think it is fucking wonderful uh and i have a hundred percent uh taken the main character of this article and will be making part of vanguard uh and have already done so because i just love this character so much um hooray what I said, hooray. <laughs> uh, so it follows a young girl named Amy, who is, and I use, you know, quotes because it's a little bit unclear, possessed by the witness. Again, capital letters, the witness, a perfectly observant, non-comporeal being that's like trapped in her head, but can see everything around her. So it's not just being able to see through her eyes. It's also like can see things that are behind her or see things that are like slightly out of you know sync with reality can like understand knowledge to a level that like makes it almost seem like this thing has a hard line to the wonders library itself um but she gets no powers from this it's it's specifically that this thing knows so much that is able to like advise her 
uh, sort of like uh, Octa- <laughs> Otagon in, in Metal Gear Solid, uh, talking to Snake. Um, only Otagon was useless. <laughs> um, and at the beginning, she is contained. She is contained by the Foundation because she's this, you know, an individual who is experiencing an anomalous event who cannot just be anesthetized. Um, and she gets freed by the service hand because the service hand specifically wants to get her out and use her. And I, I say use her, but like recruit her to uh, essentially take on this mission to help the Black Queen. Um, and it also serves as like an expansion on that magic system that Moose talked about in the magic orientation. Um, but I, as much as it is an uncompleted story, I cannot recommend it enough. The character work here is off the charts. Uh, and because of that, uh, I have a significant, you know, soft spot in my heart for the black queen, uh, and for Amy. Um, and it's just really fucking good. And then, uh, Flops, uh, Lieutenant Flops, our friend and, uh, very good author who just wrote, uh, with Lord Stormfish and a fucking incredible new article, uh, 6705, I think, uh, I'll include it in the description, uh, but recommended that I check out the Korean branches version of the Serpent's Hand, which is, I'm probably going to say this wrong, so I apologize, Dinodin's Hand. Dinodon. Dinodon. Uh, which is a much more organized kind of uh, administrative version of the found, uh, uh, the Serpent's Hand uh, because their hub, which will include the the, um, the link to uh, on the international wiki, uh, and it's, so it's in English, um, breaks down like their creed, their history, their organization, the founder, um, and it's like incredibly more concerned with world building it's like the direct opposite uh to to serpent's hand uh core hub which is really really fun and kind of serves as a a companion because if you think about this is just one of those cells uh and they are specifically concerned with you know the world uh from their perspective um and they're anarcho-syndicalist meaning they've got a uh sort of a communistic group philosophy of working within the system to improve uh, the right. lives of people so right. they're uh, they've got a fuck the power thing going on which is nice yeah and <clears throat> there's a few articles from their perspective on the korean wiki unfortunately i don't think a lot of them have been translated but one that has been is the millinery nine-tailed fox uh by salamander 724 uh and this is essentially an, an uh, SCP, which is fairly famous uh, for being essentially a, a horny takedown of furries, uh, <laughs> SCP-953, uh, and adds like a tremendous amount of like humanity. And um, there are, you know, it's kind of rough. There are some problems with the language, and I assume that was, you know, somewhat to do with uh, translation. But uh, it's really, really good because this is about this uh, immortal like demon fox that can look and sound like a woman um and alter people's perceptions uh and interbreed with people and then adds like so much more because this is not just about like oh uh, fox lady hot like it's not just like an anime (laughs) thing like this is like this really interesting um perspective that goes into like their history their shared history because their spiritual forefather um who was a person named featherman john which is amazing uh not john like uh, the white person, John, is Jean, I think, uh, which is a Korean name. Um, you know, 
she claimed to be like a thousand years old in 1515 uh but then, like, several years later, Featherman is able to imprison her during, like, a horrible battle in which he ends up dying. Like, it's, like, such an epic thing uh, in a in a pocket dimension called Peach Blossom Land, <laughs> which is really yeah, cool. Yeah, this is a, it's a Korean uh, mm-hmm. and also, I believe, Chinese paradise. Um, I, I, I referenced that in uh, that Arcadia tale that we talked about last time in my Password series. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's what, the, what the Arcadia spinoff is named after, the Peach Blossom. Yeah, and it's also I, linked. I just suddenly, just suddenly, for some reason, decided to talk about myself in the middle of this. Carry this is on. good. That's good. Uh, but it's also, you know, when it's linked in this article, it's linked to SCP one five nine. God, can't speak. SCP one five nine KO, which is a Korean SCP uh, on the branch, um, and, and I believe has. I believe that one's been translated as well. Um, and it is the- I should say at this point for anybody who wants to look at the Korean wiki, um, I looked at it a lot for my password series. And the nice thing about the Korean wiki from the perspective of us filthy Anglos is that Google Translate does not do an altogether reprehensibly poor job with Korean, mm-hmm. even though you would expect that Asian languages would turn out as gobbledygook in, in Google Translate's garbage algorithms. Korean actually comes through fairly well, so you can read some stuff on the Korean wiki, and you should, because they are good. Yeah, uh, I would also say the same about the Japanese wiki, because I've done a little bit Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. I've done a little bit of that myself. Um... Uh, and there's a lot of good stuff on both of those branches. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff Definitely. on all the branches, but uh, those are the two I have actually taken time to look at. Um, and what's fun is this is like a uh, this article is from the perspective of one of the international branches version of the Serpent's Hand, but then also fits in at least in my head uh, as just canonically one of the Serpent Hand cells, which is the way that it works. You could you know when people are like, what is the Serpent's Hand like? It's like, well, I mean, what do you want them to be like? <laughs> you can yes. like tell a complete as long as they're not interested in containment and they're not pals with the GOC I think you are pretty much free to do whatever the fuck you want which is pretty fun pretty much so uh, this is probably going to be a fairly shorter article a uh, uh, shorter uh, episode uh, because I still have packing to do but uh, I did want to hit like a lightning round kind of hit four or five articles to talk about um, yeah, I'm going to throw one in there at the end, too. Cool. But, uh, one of them is The Last of the Hand by Malverick One, which is a perspective story in the events that made in the alternate universe that where SCP-5000 occurs, which if you haven't read it, which, you know, you should probably go read that. It, it's, it's If you haven't read it, who are you? Yeah, you should. If you like SCP, you should probably read SCP-5000. It's pretty fun. Deeply good. underrated, low-rated article. <laughs> not, not very well-known article, SCP-5000. Yeah. Uh, What's it at now? Like 45,000 or something? Know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's doing all right. <laughs> it's doing all right. Um, and in that article, if you want to read this obscure, if you want to read this obscure right. article, you could use the fully illustrated graphic novel version of it. Or is yeah, there? Anyway. Is there? Yeah, there is. Wow, I that's think it cool. Would, yeah, I think I can't remember who did it. If it was Tanija who did the uh, the Corbinic art oh, for, that for Inevitable, sense. I think it might have been. But anyway, yeah, God, five thousand does not. Also, I know. Go look I up Tanija's Twitter because their art is fucking awesome. I, I won't. I won't commit to that having been Tunisia. It might have been Doctor Doberman. It's somebody who's fantastic. Oh, like, you know what? So I many think fantastic it was Doctor Doberman. Anyway, it might be Doberman. Also, all, they're all up, amazing. Also, look at Doctor Doberman's art because also <laughs> we'll amazing. have to do a whole thing on the art eventually because we have so many amazing. Yes, artists. and also we're friends with some of them. 
Uh, yes, we are. Okay. Anyway, um, this is so. This is a world in which uh, five thousand is taking place, and five thousand is basically something has happened to the foundation that makes them want to kill all of humanity. Uh, and it's sort of like this really twisted love letter to everything on the wiki. It's in many ways, I would say, the opposite to 6500 uh, because it is a fairly bleak message at the end. But it's a really good story uh, that is, you know, it's it's about the end of the world. Only the end of the world is because of the foundation. Uh, yeah. And in this story, The Last of the Hand, it is about literally the last surviving member of the Serpent's Hand, although you get to watch, you know, as some of the other ones. And, uh, you know, it is also a fairly bleak story, uh, but it is really underrated and it's really, really well written. So I think people should go read it. Next one yes. is not underrated, uh, but is awesome. So uh, Toking07 or Toking on, on uh, Twitter or uh, the person behind... Uh, Find, no. Foundation After Midnight Foundation Radio, after Midnight Radio um, did the fairly famous, if you are aware of what SCP is, you probably have seen somewhere uh, these MTF codes, which are the um, sort of pictorial descriptions of different threats the MTFs might run into, um, did something for the Wanderer's Library or the Serpent's Hand symbols. Now, in my opinion, it makes a lot more sense with the Serpent's Hand than it does the MTFs, because the MTFs are at least can be communicated to each other, um, whereas the different groups of the Serpent's Hand may never meet. <laughs> and so uh, these icons would make a lot of sense to be left, you know, uh, around artifacts or around different books or whatever. Uh, and uh, again, it's like a pictorial world building, effectively, just like the MTF codes, and it's just really, really cool. For sure. And, you know, it takes 15 seconds to look at, so go fucking look at it. It's a picture, for God's <laughs> sake. What do we got to do to get you people to read something? Go. It's a picture. Look at the picture. You can look at a picture, right? Go look at the wiki. Uh, it's a fucking picture. <laughs> and then another is Artificial Dragon's Gate by Spectral Dragon. Um, and basically, this is another GUI document from the Serpent's Hand. And I just wrote, would you like to turn a carp into a dragon? I know I would. <laughs> uh, and then the Grove of Exiles which is by Tech Sorcerer 2747 essentially the Serpent's Hand document on SCP-4000 or Tebu um, and so if you like 4000 and I fucking love 4000 um, I think this is a really interesting like different perspective you know instead of focusing on these the fae from the foundation's perspective uh the serpent's hand has a very different you know point of view on anyway we have both talked a little bit about the serpent's hand do you wanna well that's too bad because i want to stick my oh yes yeah, stick one your in last first. one in. yeah yeah uh we were talking about how the footnotes are almost always used to lend a humorous note to the uh, proceedings and one that doesn't do that because it's dealing with something deadly serious and scary is serasti's the black vaults of alagata mm. uh, mm -hmm. serpent's hand format which was one of the keystones that i used when writing the warrior path for my part of inevitable um so i'm, I'm just going to read quickly a paragraph from it just to give you a sense of what the black vaults of alagata are according to the serpent's hand the vaults of Alagada are filled with the plunder from the sacking of the library, every tome and text that the prince of the gallows and his demons treacherously stole. 
One might describe the nature of those texts as those associated with forbidden knowledge, which is a laughable claim. Knowledge is only forbidden to those not strong enough to withstand it. What is true is that the one who was hung had taken only the most powerful sources of knowledge, the secrets that have propelled seeker after seeker in search of them. The nature of the devourer, Yaldaboeth. It says Boeth. Oh my god, it says Boeth. I Ahasuerastes. <clears throat> and her destroyer angels. <laughs> the sixteen names of the Scarlet King, the terrible birth of the Wonder Maker, the whispered confessions of the last king of the night apes. Like a fly to a spider, the secrets hidden within these vaults have lured countless souls into Alagada's web. It's really spooky, and I really like it. It's a good article by Serastes. It's a good article. The Black Vaults of Alagata. Yeah, Serastes has some good shit, and this is definitely one of them. Um, it's a really good article. Yeah, Big this fan. clearly is very important to your path in, in Inevitable. Yeah, I, I saw this, and I went, yeah, we're going there. This is perfect, because I needed something that was linked with the Wanderer's Library, and I also wanted to go to Alagata, and then he, came, <laughs> and I came across this article that says, yeah, there's a horrible umbilical between the two places you need to go between. Oh, okay. I'll take that. <laughs> and like this historic event that is like would clearly be very important uh, to the people that are involved. Yeah, you've got the sacking of the library by Alagada, which is cool because that's just an event that's somewhat hinted at and glossed over. And then, of course, in Moose, we actually saw the uh, the attempt at invading the library by the Foundation, which is also one of these noodle incidents. We're not quite sure how they went. Don't try to invade the Wanderer's Library. It doesn't work. It doesn't work not does not work out uh although uh as you talked about in the warrior path uh they alagadans were fairly successful um, yes they left a pretty they horrible, took a lot of books and they left a big hole yeah, which is like this like cancerous like <laughs> aperture yeah it was it was just it, the concept as as serastes outlined it was just so appealing that i i had to uh I had to use that, and I'm glad I did. And he was glad as well. So <laughs> we're all glad here. Yeah. So you, you so you, you've touched on the Serpent's Head kind of a couple times, right? Or the Wonders Library, at least. I mean, because there's the Warrior, and then I know you, you, there's a mention of it in Georgian Gothic, um, which is part of your Password series that also mentions Site 91. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Um, it, Georgian Gothic is one of the tales in my Time After Time Password series, the premise of which is that my characters visit every site that I could find that was well enough established to support its own story. <laughs> um, and I slung one GOI into each story, and because Site 91, Gregory's site in Yorkshire, England, has an occult library, it seemed like the most likely GOI to be attacking them to liberate their stores of knowledge would be the Serpent's Hand, so I tried to dive into the head of a Serpent's Hand operative who has worked at the Foundation for long enough to become um, trusted enough to pull this heist off, and the cognitive dissonance of knowing that the people who work at that site are not bad people, but also knowing that knowledge needs to be free. And just getting into that headspace made the whole thing blow past. It was one of the easiest to write in that series, and it's also the, the first real story in that series. Um, and as for the warrior path, uh, I had to go to the Wanderer's Library. We all decided what we were going to write. Grigori decided he was going to do a, a cultural piece in a specific cultural setting. Ip decided to go to all of the nexuses. Um, Dark Stuff decided to explore one series, one SCP from a different angle. And I decided I'm going to as many cool places as <laughs> I can come up with. Which is why Grigori's uh, Turkish city of Kayakwa is one of them. Yes. And Alagada is the end point. 
but I had to do the Wanderer's Library because it's just it's such a cool setting it's and fucking amazing. If if you read the Wanderer's Library's sister site, you will see countless examples of world building. It is the most world built area in the overall Foundation verse. Uh, <clears throat> next to probably Sloth's Pit. What was the fact that Ip has written <laughs> like 150 things about Sloth's Pit, and several other people have actually contributed a lot to that as well. But the Wanderer's Library is a very cool location with a lot of cool characters and, and mini settings within it and it was just fun to write about so yeah that's not so much about the serpent's hand but they're 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 interlinked obviously in a big yeah. way um that's a good segue into what i wanted to talk about which how we're gonna introduce them into vanguard um just a bit of a peek behind the curtain uh i'm working on an article with lizard wizard about um, if you've read Emissary, then um, you know that the Serpent's Hand is going to be a big part of Vanguard uh, because they make the most sense. If if suddenly the Foundation was to say, okay, you guys have been right the whole time, <laughs> what, what would they do about that? And my perspective is the most of them would see the writing on the wall and say, okay, well, we're going to join up uh, and we're going to m- keep you guys honest. But some of them would not. <laughs> And there's going to be a significant conflict there. Uh, and basically this whole story will take place in and amongst the Wanderer's Library as a setting. Um, because I liked it so much from uh, from your stuff, from Warrior, but then also from uh, Oven Endel's Hunt kind of goes into it as well. Because this is a place, and I talked to Rounder a bit about it beforehand to kind of nail him down on it. But this is a place where people live. They have, yeah. There are businesses within the. It's not a city exactly. It's a giant endless library, but also immense people live there, and they have. There's a ramen shop uh, that I <laughs> that I talked about in in uh, nobody's looking for a fight, and uh, or no, nobody likes to sneak. Uh, yeah. I, we gotta talk about nobody. I fucking love nobody. Anyway, yeah. Well, well that's a goi. Yeah. Maybe we could do a twofer with House and Chow and nobody. Yeah, the, uh, that's true. The one person yeah. goi. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Um, and so we, you know, kind of establishing. Oh yeah! Wow, that was really loud. I have earphones in, and I can hear that. Anyway, I live fast. right by a highway, fast. and it is a there. Are sometimes there'll be like fucking car races on this highway at like three a.m., which is really fun. California. Yeah, we're the only people that do that. Anyway, yeah, only California. Well, it does work out well here because it never snows. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we we're planning on uh, kind of delving into uh, based on in a lot of ways of an endless hunt, uh, but then also uh, SCP six thousand a little bit, and then also uh, Moose's stuff with with Tilda Moose um, because you know I find that stuff fascinating, and I, I kind of have always kind of been of the opinion that the Serpent's Hand is the most relatable, and yet we don't really talk about them much on the site, and I want to change that. Uh, we talk about we reference them. Uh, but it's rarely something that is from their perspective. And it, what a good example. You know, like everything, I am using Vanguard to address things that I feel like are missing on the <laughs> Leon. <laughs> well, it, it's a very sensible thing for them to show up, do the I told you so thing, and then try to help their way through. Because yeah. in Locke's portion, the SCP portion of 6500, the Serpent's Hand is pointed out as one of the first people to go, so this is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. They have documents about it going way the hell back where they're like, Maybe stop locking stuff up. Maybe it's going to cause everything to fall apart. Maybe 
Just maybe the impasse is the reason that the serpent's hand exists because they wanted yeah. to stop the foundation from doing it. No, I don't know if that's true. But... And that term that we use for the event that is 6500, the impasse, I'm pretty sure that is, according to yeah. Locke, the serpent's hands yes. term. So we're, we're already using their term. So, which is funny because that's how the serpent's hands terms are apparently universally the best ones because yeah. everybody uses jailer, everybody uses book burner, and everybody uses impasse. It, I, what I like them about them is that they're almost always. Um, very simplistic but evocative terms for things. Yes, they're evocative but straightforward yeah. and direct. Yeah. Like they're not interested in being like mystical or like overly like clinical. They're just these very, like you said, straightforward. Uh, they really communicate to you what this is about without being just hokey. Uh, like I guess, yep. I guess you know, it, there is a universe in which somebody would have looked at, oh, jailer, oh, that's hokey, but it has caught on and it makes perfect sense. Yep. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I think everyone should go read all those articles uh, or, Absolutely. or pretend like you did and then upvote. I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, just like me. <laughs> uh, as far as you know. Uh, uh, anyway. Uh, let's, I let's, do my homework. I know you do. Uh, Even when you only give me a day to do it. You know, uh, you could do the homework. <laughs> that's that's funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway yeah good uh, luck with that so emails emails that's right um so one so real surreal sir uh is the God, person that's fun to say yeah real surreal real sir. surreal sir real surreal sir uh, is the real person surreal who sir. wrote that article and wrote in last time uh harry um and i forget their name that they used last time but um they did note that in the beginning that, that you were right that the, the same Anyway, really like last As with the fact that my jokes are always funny, I don't know if you need to indicate that when I said something, I was right, but I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, for everyone listening, when Harry finds out that he is wrong, uh, the world fucking cracks open and he is When I find out that I was hell. wrong. <laughs> when I find out that I was wrong, no, you move. <laughs> just, let's just quote Marvel movies for the rest of the podcast. All right, really liked last week's episode. I was obviously quoting the comic book because we're talking about Serpent's Hand and, and books. And this. I wasn't quoting the movie, I was quoting the comic book. No, whatever. The literature. <laughs> the, the Trust me, text. I know you could... I don't read Marvel comics anyway, so I do, go on. religiously. Anyway, uh, Real Surreal Surreal says, really liked last week's Real episode. I don't know how, but I'd somehow completely missed the entire Arcadia GOI. And up until then, almost completely. Uh, I'd gone and read some articles and the hub since, but genuinely don't think I've, I'd ever come across any of it until then. Kind of cool to get a deep dive into something completely new. As for this yeah. week's episode, <clears throat> excuse me, glad to see Serpent's Hand being visited, as even though it's one of the most visible and frequent organizations to pop up, it's always felt so opaque. Yep, just like we were saying earlier. I must have read a few dozen articles involving them at least somewhat and still have only the vaguest idea of what they do or how they're organized beyond tied to the Wanderers Library and want to collect and spread knowledge of the anomalous. Especially magic, I think? <laughs> Hopefully, I'll have a better understanding soon, though, once your episode drops. Can't wait. Sorry to fail you. <laughs> soon. <laughs> because, yeah, there isn't a lot of better answers, unfortunately. Um... Which is fun. I think I think that's kind of one of the more attractive things about the Serpent's Hand is that they are everywhere and yet still fairly vague. Yes, like a snake. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we so have. Do, I, do, I, do, do I, you want to read the one from Gizma? Yeah, I'll read the one from Gizma. Greetings from Gizma. 
The serpent's hand or the good guys, and I'm ready to fight to defend this opinion. Well, you won't have to fight us. Normalcy is a tyrannical construct enforced without consent by a few powerful individuals. The veil is a noose with which they choke the world. They secure only themselves, contain the freedom of the oppressed, but they will not be protected from the retribution they earned. The serpent's hand fights the good fight. This uh, this reads like uh, this could go on the hub right here. Yeah. Seriously, I'm rooting for them. I like seeing them show up in stories and doing their things, but I especially love their GOI formats. I think we agree with that as well. Yep. They've got cool names for things <laughs> instead of plain boring numbers. It feels more like an exploration of the topic and it allows for doubts and different theories. Yes, all the uh, Serpent's Hand GOI yeah. formats have a section called Doubt where basically everybody goes, here's what we don't know. And then other people go, and here's what's mentioned above that might be bullshit, which is cool. <laughs> Uh, that and the bickering in the footnotes is always good. Agreed. The concept of the Wanderer's Library is both fascinating at first and really scary if you think about it too much, which I try not to. Although, now that I think about it, I don't remember reading that many storylines with Serpent's Hand and characters from it, mostly just standalone stuff, or their GOI formats showing up in other stories not focused on the SH, like The Mother Who Demands One's Toes, The Deniers. Looking forward to learning more with this episode. Also, magic is cool. Magic is cool. Magic is cool. Every time I talk to Gizma, I I think that he's cooler than he was before. Yep, just ever mounting amounts of cool. Yep. Like every time Gizma makes a cool meme about one of our things, uh it's mm. fucking hilarious. It's never Heart just warming. like dumb. It's always great. And also yep. Gizma's like turning out to be not just a cool a fan, uh, but also a talented up and coming writer. Huzzah. Which I included their description in, I'm sorry, I included their first article in the description of the last episode, and I think it's fucking hilarious and creepy uh, at the end. Why don't you read this next one? No, I guess he wants to read the last one. I do. Okay. Because Randy's the best. This is, sorry. This is, everybody's the best today. This is Bryn. I am a big fan of the podcast. Me too. It has taught me a lot about the SCP universe that I was not aware of. Me too. And it has even got me to start actively reading and reading more articles. Man, I relate to this one hard. <laughs> uh, to show my love and support for the podcast, I thought I would make you all some fan art of what goes on during the break, despite my main medium being photography. Apologies to the guest that I did not draw. I did not anticipate who you are. Well, you got lucky there, didn't you? <laughs> I'll post the art on Twitter after the episode you all are reading this on has aired, because I want y'all to have the first look. Well, that's lovely. I can't wait to see and Bryn, I did send it to Harry, so he could take a look. It's great. Thank you. You did? When did you do that? Oh, oh, that. Yeah, that was fantastic. I love that. <laughs> Shit. Yes. <laughs> I did see that. It was great. Yeah, it was like two weeks ago because we haven't recorded. Yeah, yeah, two weeks ago, like two years ago in my brain. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, Bryn. Yeah, it's awesome. Love uh, it. And I've talked to Bryn a few times on Twitter. Uh, they're great. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, last one is from Randy. Uh, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite people in the artist community because Randy decided to read all of Victim and then did like three or four art pieces for Victim in a row and uh, they're yeah. excellent. Um, Randy says, Hello! So I definitely didn't expect episode about Arcadia to take such a turn in the direction of you discussing actual games. <laughs> um, actually, uh, behind the scenes, Jackal said multiple times that when he came on, we would just 
skipped the the whole episode would be about 90s horror games and so it just made perfect sense to make sure that we included that in the... <laughs> yeah there was a desperately high chance that it could just have been two hours about resident evil uh yeah resident and, evil <laughs> that's right and uh be glad that i was pressed for time and didn't go into depth about how much i fucking love parasite eve because it is mm-hmm. intense my love for that game um it was fun and but it was fun and it's all that matters actually i'm writing this because i have an amazing question for you uh i like it when people send in questions it's really fun me me too have you ever gotten emotional over an article you're writing if yes which one but if not then have you ever gotten emotional over any article on the wiki that we were reading i assume yes presumably so i definitely have two articles that i have was very emotional about and which is why i wrote them. um which is scp5079 and scp5923 and it's probably pretty clear when you read them uh that those that those are dealing from very do two different very two very different uh perspectives on like sort of isolation uh because of the pandemic so i went from being a fairly social and busy law student uh, and then cramming for the bar. Uh, and then right after I took the bar exam, which was two months of hell, I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> I woke up to find out, oh, did you know a global pandemic is starting? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and then I just kind of went into shutdown mode. That's also around the time of like significant civil unrest uh, in, in America. Um, you know, for reasonable, like I very much understand why people were very upset i was very upset um yeah and so it was a very stressful and yet very lonely time uh and so i kind of shut down in a lot of ways and then when i came back into scp uh you know i did pick up my series and do other stuff but the thing i really wanted to talk about let's let's you know talk about the fact that like we are no longer engaging with each other very much uh and you know to some extent we still haven't, you know, I have friends that I've barely talked to in the last couple of years or, you know, other than, you know, text messages. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> five zero seven nine was like kind of my first discussion about that. And it is just somewhat desperate to connect. Uh, it is kind of a body horror ridiculous thing as well. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, and I also like sarcasm so i wanted to tie something else to sarcasm although it really has nothing to do with sarcasm other than like ooh body horror um mm-hmm. and then 5923 was you know almost a year later still uh, unemployed still socially isolated uh and looking at it from like a really different perspective of just you know loneliness not just like i want to hang out with people but also just like that sense of like wow i've never spent this much time alone i used to think that I liked alone time. And I do. <laughs> but I don't like it as much as I thought. Not I did. this much. Yeah. <laughs> I did not realize just how social of an animal I am. I liked I like alone time. I don't like the alone times That's which right. we are now living through. <laughs> That's right. My current job, most of my team um is like work from home and they're like, "Okay, well, you know, you can come into the office if you want." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to do that." And they're like, "Well, you know, you don't have to." <laughs> You know, we have an eight o'clock meeting. You can just stay home. And I'm like, no, I've seen enough of this bedroom. <laughs> I don't need to spend any more time here while the sun is out. Thanks. 
let me go someplace and talk to people and like go to the coffee machine and shit because like, i'm losing my mind you're shitting in the coffee machine yeah. the last day you have that job yeah this is why he doesn't have pictures of himself and links to his law law practice on uh on the youtube videos i understand now one of many reasons yeah uh all right you're your turn you tell us a story yeah, okay. I'll try to just do a grab bag instead because I, I have so many answers to it that I don't want to give an in-depth answer. Um, there's pretty deep personal information encoded into quite a few of the ones I've written. Uh, the significant other story that I wrote, which is 23,000 words long, <laughs> is a very emotional um, sort of a combination of mental problems and relationship problems smashed in together, which I tried to give a very happy ending to just because... I thought that was nice. And one of the things that matters to me when I write a story that's long and emotional is if the ending makes me feel a little bit giddy because it's so emotional, then that's something that indicates to me that it's gone well, um, which also happened when I wrote The Good Work, which is a story about um, losing people, really. It's about loving people and losing people, which came out of SCP-5520, uh, The Rabbit Hole, which is explicitly about losing someone who matters a lot to you and that one. Um, there's basically metaphorically blood on the page for that one. That one really hurt to get out, uh, which is, I think, always improves it. It just makes it harder to, yeah. to create it. Um, and the woman in the incinerator, 5616, was also very emotional for me because it's about being trapped inside fucking forever and never knowing if you're going to be able to get out, which some people... Some people, small proportion of the global population, might have some sort of resonance <laughs> with right now. Not a lot of people, but some people. Just might. several billion. It's um, fine. And the most recent one, actually, the last thing that I have posted to the wiki, sixty-five nineteen, the spirit in the sky, is literally a story about something that actually happened in my life that has emotional resonance, involving um, not necessarily believing in life after life, but thinking it's a nice thought to imagine that the people that you've lost are somewhere else and can maybe speak to you not believing it at all i have no religious beliefs or supernatural beliefs of any kind but it's a nice intellectual exercise to imagine that there are people who are okay once they've left the veil of tears blah 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 um and, and so all of those were very emotional to me to write as for reading, um, I think probably the one that just completely annihilated and devastated me was uh, the Friendly Vandal's Portraits of Your Father, oh, which of yeah. all the fucking things is about Kondraki. Yeah. <laughs> so that should not be that should not have been emotionally effective, but unfortunately, the Friendly Vandal has a an absurdly high quality of prose, and it's a story about losing someone very close to you and the ways that that affects you and the way that people around you. Uh, help you to cope with it and it's it's an immense story and very long and very very beautiful and some of the finest writing on the wiki and it's also very highly rated um so yeah i mean there's all kinds of stuff that does that there's all kinds of writing on here that affects you because emotionally effective stuff is something that everybody eventually wants to write when they write um even if laughter is just an emotional effect but in terms of catharsis of so making you feel upset and then making you feel better for having been upset um, it's it's an important function of literature, and it's one of the signs that our writing community is so mature and developed that it's able to generate stuff that can actually make you cry, even if they're talking about ridiculous characters who used to be famous for carrying fencing swords and shotguns around and shooting at each other. <laughs> it's evolved. Yeah, you know, um, 
the whole like humor and catharsis thing uh you know i didn't even think about it because i thought emotional you know so sad but you know the entire reason i write victim and have brought up this stuff is because of my sense of humor and my absolute rage at the world yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's an it's emotion it's it's yeah. working anger into vicious parody is a, a legitimate emotional response in writing look people are like what's the secret of victim and the secret is i get, i'm mad the secret is <laughs> the secret is i'm so fucking angry i am really fucking angry all the time not like so at people angry. but like just at like the fucking world and injustice and like being an american citizen realizing that that sucks uh yeah <laughs> but um yeah and i mean that's where 3809 came from too which is probably one of my favorite articles i've written uh is about a fucking angry um yet romantically obsessed satellite <laughs> Because the way that I think that it's fun to deal with shit I'm mad about is to 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 make you know darkly humorous stories about them. I agree. Oh, what I what I also wanted to mention just quickly as well is uh, the one of the most unbelievably underrated things on the site, which is essentially a novella by Doctor Gears called The Dread Mother. Oh yeah, which is also a really deeply descriptive and deeply emotional family. Um, anomalous creepypasta story it's very long and it's just fantastic and it's rated at 32 which is missing a digit at least um yeah dread mother that that's another very emotional one i think it's I, like I, 30 I, 35, words or something right it's 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 immense yeah. um just gears occasionally just shows up and drops a bomb and that's, that's what this one was just like hello here we go here's a, <laughs> here's a novella I wrote. uh it is very really good i finally have worked my th- way through it it's terrific it's it's incredible because uh, Gears is certainly among the best of us. Uh, so that's 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 another really good one. It is so underrated that it hurts. Of course, I have to always say, well, what one did you think was emotional? Well, the one that had long enough to become emotional <laughs> because they took the goddamn time to develop it to the point where it could devastate you. Yeah. So um, I think that's gonna do it for us. Uh, yep. Twitter is at simcreate. Uh, S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T uh, My personal Twitter is at Gregory Carpent. Also, if you're interested, I have been making Twitter uh, about Vikander Need, only hilariously Twitter assigned me the at Need Vikander. But I've been doing like weird little videos and, and bizarre like in-character uh, tweets, which yeah, has great. been fucking so much fun. People will send me something or like say something in, an, in a meeting and then I immediately just pull out my phone and start writing one of those things. It's so good. It's and the end of the, it's the end of the first quarter of 2022. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, get, why don't you give out your Twitter? At Harry Blank SCP. And our email <coughs> is at simplycreativepeople. Uh, sorry. Simplycreativepeople at gmail.com. So please do keep emailing us. Uh, we do. I really do love the questions. You know, this is such a wide ranging subject uh, and we have both read and written a lot. So, you know, it would be fun to talk more about that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, I would not be surprised if next time we are talking about possibly Wilson's uh, or Sharp Punching Center, uh, depending on who is available. <laughs> All cops are bastards. A cab indeed. <laughs>